we base our talk on Tian Tai, uh, the six gates to uh, Samatha and Vipassana. So let's continue. We've been talking for many, many hours already. So uh, we have to take it up from last time. So meditation, um, in and out breath meditation, is broken down into concentration and contemplation, samatha in Sanskrit language, and bubizana. And we've been talking on counting, following, and stabilization. Uh, and then um, we touch a little bit on introspection. Um, now we haven't, of course, touched on turning and purification. So these are the six gates to samatha and vipassana. And uh, we've talked maybe for more than 10 hours already. So let's continue with introspection. But before we get into introspection, we need to know a little bit about stabilization that we stopped at last time. So while counting or following with single-pointedness, the practitioner becomes aware of the body and the mind seeming to vanish entirely, entering into a meditative absorption. Uh, we talk about that, but just to get a point of continu continuity, so we have to get through stabilization. When so you are I, so good in counting and you are so good in following, that is all, those are all well done with single-pointedness, then you slowly, your body and mind seeming to vanish, uh, vanish entirely, then you enter into, into what? Samadhi. You enter into samadhi. Then he gains realization of an empty and still absorption through which he becomes aware of the body and mind as quiescent, secure, one one, and blissful. And that's almost like equivalent to equanimity. This is what you arrive at. And when you're at this stage of stabilization, then you know that that's not enough for you. You have to look for wisdom. You have to look for prajna. So samatha uh, is not enough. Samadhi is not enough. You want to look for prajna. Now the practitioner's mind is immersed in preliminary samadhi. He continues to introspect his fine and subtle in and out breath as the wind in the midst of space. He also begins to introspect that all the 36 categories of his own body are devoid of substantiality. In other words, he introspects the internal organs, the 36 categories of his, of his own body, and he suddenly knows that everything about his body are insubstantial. We attach to body. We're attached to beauty. We're attached to desires. We're, we're attached to sexual desire, pleasure, desires for pleasure. But at this stage, you were so much in introspection that your mind's eyes are open and you suddenly see, as if you, your eyes are X-rated, see the internal organs of your body. You, you can see inside your body the 36 categories of your own body. And one of these six, 36 categories, these 36 categories are 
your hair, your liver, your pus, your bodily hair, bladder, blood, nails, spleen, sweat, teeth, lungs, bladder, skin, small intestine, tears, flesh, large intestine, synovia, veins, stomach, spit, bone structure, feces, mucus, liquid in bone, brain, marrow, kidney, gallbladder, urine, heart, phlegm, pink phlegm and white phlegm and diaphragm. So these are the 36 parts of your body. Uh, all of a sudden, your mind's eyes are open, and you know your body is made up of nothing but these organic organisms inside your body. Why are you attached to sexual desires? Why are you attached to your own body and the body of others? All of, all of a sudden, you are actually introspecting using a supersmirity, which is contemplation of impurity. Your, our bodies are impure. But people who are attached to, to pleasures, to sensual pleasures, are attached to bodies. Actually, they are attached to a whole bunch of organics, a whole bunch of these organs. But when they're attached to it, they can't let go of it. They always have to attach to these desires. But when you examine this kind of desires, it's nothing but attachment to a whole bunch of hair, bodily hair, nails, teeth, lungs, and whatnot. So all of a sudden, your desire, your lust, disappears. That you have carried the lust for many, many lives, through many, many reincarnations. And that's, that's the what? That's one of the main causes for our reincarnation. We're attached to we're attached to bodies. We're attached to the impurities of the body. Then you know that these thirty-six categories are insubstantial. Before you attach to these insubstantial organs, but now you don't attach to them anymore. You know that those are impure, and this is this this is just a matter of fact. Impurity. Imagine. As I said before, as we all know, we're given birth at birth, so our past is birth, and our future we know that is death, birth and death. We're not being pessimistic. Birth and death is a facts, right? So our, our past is at birth, our future is death, and what is in between is aging, but during this time, we're always attached to desires. Now, all of a sudden, that desire vanishes. And you feel so happy in your meditation. You, so, you feel that the burdens on you, the attachment in you, all of a sudden vanishes in the air. No more. You're, not, you're no more attached to relationship. You're no more attached to relationship between male and female. It's all gone. And... They're so insubstantial that you know that is sunyata, empty, hongla. And and anicca. Even uh, our, our consciousness is impermanent, not just the 36 categories of the, our own body. Neither oneself nor anyone exists. We're all devoid of substantiality that you realize in your meditation 
Now, when we examine introspection, we're examining it in two parts. The cultivation of it and the realization of it. The cost of it and the effect of it. Cultivation are the causes and realization is the effect. This is the cultivation of it. You're still, you're still using your in and out breath. You never leave your in and out breath. So the basic in meditation is in and out breath. If you haven't really mastered it to the best you can, you haven't really got it. So that's, that's the basic. It can be very fine, it can be very subtle, it can be very coarse, and it could be wandering that you lose it. So counting, following, and stabilization, they are basics to introspection. And then we continue to cultivate introspection. The body, feelings, mind, and dharmas are all insubstantial, devoid of inherent existence. Thus, a question comes up in the practitioner's mind. Now I am unable to apprehend the existence of any personal dharma. That is to say, if everything has no inherent existence, then what could my meditation absorption depend on or related to? He begins to introspect through vipassana, uh, contemplate wisdom. So it gets into vipassana. So his thinking, if everything is devoid of existence, uh, devoid of inherent existence, nothing exists, then if there's no existence, how about my meditation? How does my meditation depend on? Where is my meditation? Do I have a meditation? So all of a, all of a sudden, you question yourself. You question, am I doing the right thing? What is my meditation? Is my meditation devoid of substantiality too? Where does my meditation exist? Does my meditation have a self-nature? If everything is devoid of inherent existence, where am I going? So this is how you will feel in your cultivation. But you're still cultivating it. You're still using your in and out breath. You still feel that your in and out breath is subtle and fine. Next, the realization of introspection. Now the practitioner becomes more aware of the following, just to summarize it. The breath entering in, exiting from, and pervading through all the hair pores of the body. The air gets in and out not just through the nose. It's through every body, body pore every pore of your, of your fo the follicle, the hair follicle. Oh. So it, 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 it pervades through every pore of the body, not just through the nostrils. At that time, when you have stabilization, when you're getting into introspection, the mind clearly visualizes the 36 categories composing the body and all of the organisms therein. In other words, not only do you see the organs, but also the microorganism inside the organs. You see the bacteria too. Your, your mind's eyes also see the bacteria 
in the organs. Isn't that inconceivable? When you're at that point, the inward and outward impurities of the body and the changes occurring. You're aware of the inward and outward impurities. The inward impurities being the organs are impure. You think your organs are pure? Your lungs, your stomach, your intestines? If you're a surgeon, you know when you, when you do your operation, when you're learning it, you know that these, the feces are inside the intestines or the food inside your stomach. The food smells, the food smells excellent, delicious when it's outside. But once it passes through your throat, and if you vomit it out, nobody would eat it anymore. It becomes feces. So it, it, it's, uh, it seems to be so uh, contrasting. Outside, when it's outside, it smells delicious. When it's eating inside, it becomes so dirty that you don't want, you don't want to even smell it. So why are we attached to all this food, all these delicacies? But we are used to attaching to food. And outward impurities, you think the impurity is only inside the organs? If you have an x-ray, you can see all kinds of bacteria surrounding us. I have been told by a doctor, um, I said, the doctor told me that the hospital is an unclean place. You think the hospital is clean? There's bacteria all over the place. You go to a clinic, make sure that you wear your, your mask, your, what do you call this, you know, because bacteria are flying around. And uh, you could, you, you could anytime contract some bacteria if you're not careful. I have a friend who got lung pneumonia because he's contracting Legionera. And that friend is myself. Yeah. Okay, the mind becomes sometimes saddened and sometimes delighted. Do you think that meditation is all delighted? All happy? All rapture? No. There's a dark side of meditation. You really have to go through a lot in meditation. So in other words, meditation is just like you are this mountain, you get to the very top of the mountain. You have the rapture. But before you go into a higher mountain, what do you do? You can't just fly there. You have to go down to the valley to get up to another higher mountain. So that means meditation, if somebody told you meditation is all happiness, all rapture of joy, he hasn't got there yet. That is meditation sickness that one has to go through. But if you can walk through, if you can walk through all these valleys and get up again, you become a saint. So that means the Buddha has gone through a lot of difficulties, a lot of hardship, a lot of burden in his meditation. All meditators would tell you, especially the seasoned, experienced meditator would tell you, meditation is not easy. Is not only associated with rapture of joy, it could be associated with physical pain, emotional suffering. You know why? 
meditation, if you get into deeper and deeper and deeper, become more experienced in it, it's just like you open up your immeasurable bin of karmic garbage. You're cleaning garbages that have been accumulated from many, many lifetimes ago. Your jealousy, your hatred, your greediness, your ignorance, your violence, emotions and all that, everybody is carrying an immeasurable bin of karmic garbage in us. Everybody has. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. We're carrying that. And meditation, if you get into higher and deeper and deeper, you are opening that door and try to clean it out. When you open that door, it overwhelms you. All of a sudden, your, de your depression getting more serious. But you're, if you're able to overcome it, take it for granted, slowly resolve it, you overcome it. So sometimes I think meditation is testing your limit. Every time, okay, when you're meditating, all this old garbage comes back for you to clean up. You clean it up, your, limitation is, your, your limit is here. The next time it comes back with a higher limit. So you have to overcome all kinds of limits. In other words, you have to go down to the valley to get to another higher mountain. So there's no free lunch in meditation. But we have. <laughs> Enjoy your free lunch. Not yet a time. There's no free lunch in meditation. You have to go through physical, emotional suffering in order to get higher. In life, we are always trying to, to get higher and higher than our limit. You can, get, you can get higher and higher in your limit. Don't limit yourself. Set the limit higher, overcome it, set the limit higher, and overcome it. That happens in meditation if you want to go from one level to another higher level. The mind becomes sometimes saddened and sometimes delighted. It doesn't mean that it's always suffering. Remember, the mind basically is in three parts, and some people say two parts. Um, the emotional mind, which is chitta, and the rational, more or less rational mind, which is the manos, or the thinking mind. But actually, there is the egoistic mind and also the alaya consciousness mind. So, unfortunately, our chitta is always in control. Our emotional mind seems to be always in control of us. That's the reason why we get angry, we get emotional, we get depression, we get hatred, greediness. But if you go through this spiritual transformation, meditation, you're actually trying to overcome all these. You're trying to put your chitta, you put your emotion. Okay, so then one becomes more subtle in contemplating the body as impure, the feelings as suffering, Feelings of suffering, the mind is impermanent, and the dharmas as non-self. These are the four foundations of introspection. So in other words, you're actually going into introspection of the four foundations. Introspection of the body, the feelings, the mind, and dharmas. Without you saying, 
I'm getting to Satipatthana. I'm getting to the four foundations of, of, of mindfulness. You don't have to announce it. When you're doing introspection, you automatically, simultaneously venture into Satipatthana's 